0: Welcome to Win the Future, a podcast where we chat with folks who are tackling the most significant challenges our communities face today to make for a better tomorrow. I'm your host, Brett Roster. This is episode number 12. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Win the Future. This is episode 12. And today we have a very special guest, uh, somebody who I am hopefully president of the fan club next to your friend Sam Carmody. Uh, But Susan Beisowitz, Lieutenant Governor of the state of Connecticut, welcome.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, no, thank you so much for being on. Uh, So, uh, Lieutenant Governor, let's talk first and foremost about small businesses. Obviously, small businesses overall nationwide are struggling. But I know that uh, you and Governor Lamont have done some great work to help small businesses in the state. Can you talk a little bit about the CARES Act and other Uh, Other measures you've taken?
1: Absolutely. And I'll say that it is interesting because, you know, here we are in the midst of a global pandemic, an economic catastrophe caused by the pandemic. And, of course, we are also in the midst of a pandemic of inequity. And during all of this, you would expect to see a record number of small businesses failing. And interestingly, what you see is the exact opposite. And so in Connecticut, the Secretary of the State's Office records show that between uh, July and the end of September, we had a record number of new business starts And even when you take out some of the business stops, it is still a very high number. So we had nearly 3,000 new businesses start in that quarter. And if you look at the same time period for the whole country, 1.5 million businesses, new businesses started up. And we know that from IRS records. Um, And that is almost twice as many as you would normally see. Normally, you would see like 800,000 new business starts. So why is that happening? I think one reason it's happening is because we still have very high unemployment. The real unemployment rate is somewhere between 11 and 13%, give or take. And so some people who have lost their jobs are thinking, you know, I always wanted to start a business. They had an idea in the back of their mind and wanted to go ahead and and start a business. So our office actually hosted a roundtable for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have started new businesses during the pandemic. So we actually had a restaurant owner in New Haven the owner of Edible Couture. And she had always wanted to start a new business and decided that now was the time because she saw on Facebook that a prime space in downtown New Haven, right behind City Hall, was available. So she's someone who does cupcakes, cakes, pies. She has a a very beautiful bakery. Uh, And then a friend of hers who has a vegan food truck was doing so well during the pandemic that the owner of the vegan food business is half owner in this venture. So you can go and purchase amazing baked goods, but you can also pick up a vegan meal if you would like, or some of her vegan specialties and their businesses are going great guns another business owner is one that you and i met let's see even last year he was his to be truthful his business was already started but slowed down because of the pandemic and and that's the dockside brewery that is a craft brewery in milford right on the water and he opened at the end of May, beginning of June, and he was fortunate because he's Dockside, he had plenty of space, and so he built out a huge patio area where people could go and have beer, taste his food, because he has a, a quite a wide uh, variety of food on his menu. And what was interesting is he started just with, pickup curbside pickup and when he did that in the first day he was sold out of beer which is a really good problem to have particularly when you consider you and I have been there how many floor-to-ceiling steel tanks does he have filled with filled with beer so you know one lesson of the pandemic is people are still looking to have some really good tasting beer and wine and, and alcohol so He's a he's a real success story, but somebody who, during uh, the pandemic, really had to kind of pivot and change his business model and change how he was going to take care of his clients. Another example was Dusty Dudes, and this is a an online woodworking business. The owner of uh, Dusty Dudes does art objects. He does uh, pieces of custom furniture, like beautiful wood uh, dining and coffee tables. And uh, he has been doing very, very well. So those are just examples of how people have been so creative and innovative in the midst of, of the pandemic. But business owners have really needed assistance. And so that's where the CARES Act came in. And In March, April, when we knew that federal money was coming to people, the Department of Economic and Community Development started a small business bridge loan program because we knew it was going to take a while to get the federal dollars to businesses in Connecticut. And so the bridge loan program was intended to help folks as they were waiting for those federal dollars to come in, and literally when we put that program out there, we were inundated with applications, and we had uh, thousands of businesses that applied just in the first two days. And the other program that we started after the Federal CARES Act, the PPP, and the idle monies were available uh, was the HEDCO loan program, and that was targeted to small and minority-owned businesses, particularly those owned by uh, women and people of color in urban areas. And that was several million dollars of aid. And what our office tried to do was facilitate uh, folks from the SBA and the Department of Economic and Community Development to help businesses learn how they could apply. A lot of Chambers of Commerce, the Women's Business Development Council and Stamford were key in helping people to apply because here's what we what we learned there are a lot of small businesses out there that don't even have a relationship with a bank or financial institution or they don't have their financial statements in a format where they can easily, send them uh, to a bank or to a government agency who might be providing or helping to provide aid. So I always like to recommend the Connecticut Small Business Assistance Center and the uh, Women's Business Development Council down in Stanford. Uh, They have business counselors that will answer the phones And they help hundreds of people every day, and that assistance is free, just as the Connecticut Small Business Assistance Center services uh, are free. So, if you are a small business and for whatever reason you are not able to access the first round of PPP or IDLE from the SBA at the federal level, uh, you should be getting ready right now. You need to have your financial statements in a format that can be accessed. You should get a QuickBooks program for your expenses if you haven't done that. And the state of Connecticut, I should add, just closed a program at the end of November to provide $5,000 grants to businesses, small businesses across Connecticut. As we wait for the next administration, uh, the president uh, elect and Congress, to get their acts together and provide aid. There may be some prior to the end of December. You know, all of us are watching to see what that may be, but there will definitely be monies available in January when our new Congress and new president uh, are sworn in. So if you're a small business out there, please contact the uh, Women's Business Development Council, and by the way, you don't have to be a woman-owned business. They help all small businesses, including those owned by men, uh, or the Connecticut Small Business Assistance Center, or your local chamber who can advise you on how you need to get ready to access that funding.
0: That's great. And I know that you and Governor Lamont both have a good relationship with the president-elect and uh, and with the federal delegation, As you're looking towards that next kind of stimulus round, is there anything specific you'd like to see for small businesses in that program?
1: Sure. And first of all, I'll say that Governor Lamont and I were amongst President-elect Biden's earliest uh, supporters when there were a lot of people who were scratching their heads. And, you know, I'm so delighted that uh, the president chose Kamala Harris to be his running mate. I think they are A fantastic team. And the other thing that I would mention about Congress is uh, we have an amazing delegation that punches above their weight uh, with Senator Blumenthal, Senator Murphy, and our congressional delegation. But we just got some really great news that is going to be very impactful for Connecticut. And that's that our Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro has been voted to chair the Appropriations Committee uh, in the U.S. Congress. And that is one of the most powerful positions in Congress. You know, right under Speaker Pelosi, she's going to be the person in charge of the purse strings. And I think that's going to be great for Connecticut. And I think it's going to be great for our country. And we have asked our congressional delegation to help small businesses particularly the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry because 10 to 15 percent of our workforce uh, is employed by the hospitality and food service uh, and restaurant industry and we know that restaurants have been very badly hurt 600 of them across the state have been closed since the pandemic we've also asked for In addition to assistance for restaurants um, and small businesses, we've asked for some help with the child care area because a key to our economic recovery is access to high quality, affordable uh, child care and health care, which you and I I think are going to get to later. But child care is really the infrastructure that we need to get people back to work because here we have... Kids who are doing online learning in a hybrid way, so it can be Monday and Wednesday, which causes you know parental hardship and trying to figure out who's going to stay home while the kids are home. And also, business owners told me that it was difficult for them to get their employees back to work because parents had to stay home with their kids while they were learning between March and June of, of last year. And we know from our Office of Early Child Care, our commissioner, Beth By, that we've lost nearly 45,000 daycare and affordable child care slots in our state. And it's also really important, by the way, for first responders, right, and for our healthcare professionals who need quality, dependable A childcare. So a lot of communities have stepped up. I know I visited a former elementary school that was converted into daycare by the Glastonbury school system because teachers were saying that they couldn't come back to teach unless they had childcare. And so in six weeks, this the town of Glastonbury stood up this daycare program for infants to kids that are um, kindergartners. And it was truly amazing, but we know so much more has to be done. And we have asked uh, Rosa DeLauro, and she has authored a bill in Congress, and Senator Blumenthal has authored a bill in the Senate to bring $50 billion to help with child care slots and and making sure we have those in Connecticut. And the final thing that I wanted to raise is a lot of the people who provide that child care are women. Many of them are women of color, and they're either hanging on by a thread or they've lost, they've had to close their businesses. So we need those funds to help bring back that child care so that we can fully open our economy.
0: Well, and along with childcare, healthcare is obviously such an important piece, not only for those who are unemployed, but for small businesses who are struggling to, to pay their bills right now and pay employees. Can you talk a little bit, of, I know you've done a ton of work uh, to make health care more accessible and affordable in the state. Can you talk a little bit about some of the activities that are happening at the state level?
1: Yes, so I do want to remind people because here we are on December 7th that by december 15th people should sign up for access health connecticut access health connecticut is our state program to give obamacare to whoever needs it and this program has been hugely successful and utilized across our state because since obamacare was passed every year more than a hundred thousand people have accessed health care. And here's here is something that I don't think people realize. If you're someone who's lost your job and you have lost health care because you can't afford Cobra or because it's not available through your employer, a lot of people don't realize that 75% of the people who use access health connecticut health insurance are eligible for subsidies 75 percent of the families and individuals that sign up for access health connecticut have some sort of federal or state subsidy so for any anybody who has lost a job or hasn't had health care and Lord knows, we certainly need it now more than ever, especially during the pandemic. Please take advantage of this opportunity by December 15th, because that is a deadline. If you happen to lose your job after the December 15th deadline, you are eligible to apply. But this is the open enrollment period, if you will, for, the, for Access Health Connecticut.
0: Got it. And what's the uh, what is the website that folks can go to, to to enroll? Access Health
1: Connecticut. Yep. If you Google Access Health Connecticut, you can go ahead and do that. And also for folks who use community health centers or the federally qualified health centers, they can you can go there and they will help you sign up for the appropriate program. Uh, You can sign up for Medicare through them. You can sign up for kids health insurance as well. They are a huge resource or go online and uh, just Google Access Health Connecticut.
0: Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back for the second part of the interview. Thank you. Win the Future is sponsored in part by Connecticut by the Numbers. If you're looking to learn more about what's happening and why, check out Connecticut by the Numbers, where every number tells a story. Connecticut by the Numbers goes beyond the headlines, across the state. For Connecticut news that counts, visit ctnumbers.news or follow them at ctnumbers. Thanks, everyone. We're back with Lieutenant Governor Susan Baisowitz. I can't imagine how difficult it is, the conversations you and the governor have regarding whether to keep businesses open and juxtaposing that against public health and public safety Can you talk a little bit about the the difficulties and what you hope small businesses will take into account uh, as patrons continue to go to their places?
1: This is in the category of you never know what you're signing up for when you uh, take the oath of office, right? And we've had to make very difficult decisions about public health, and we've tried to put public health first because uh, we realized very early on that if you don't take uh, put public health first, that you're never going to be able to fully reopen our economy. And even though we are in the midst of a spike right now, our infection rate is among the lowest in the country because when we asked the people of Connecticut to wear masks, to keep social distancing, to wash their hands and follow the other safety protocols, 99% of the people did it. So... As of the weekend, we had approximately 1,100 people in the hospital. A concern that we have for the month of December and January is, are we going to get to 2,000 plus people in the hospital where we were at the peak of the pandemic? Because at that point, we really had to plan for mobile field hospitals, and I live in Middletown, so there was a mobile field hospital that was constructed by the National Guard in front of Middlesex Hospital. There was one in front of Danbury Hospital and various facilities across the state to cope with what would happen if our hospitals were overwhelmed. Thankfully, that never happened, but we are getting to a point where we have hundreds of people, new people testing positive day and we're concerned about what will happen for our hospitals so we are monitoring that extremely closely we closely related to this decision is what about the schools uh, and keeping them open and it was the governor decided to work with districts across the state to close schools for last year from march through june And unfortunately, about a third of the kids, 176,000 students, never logged on once to their online lessons. And so the governor has been stressing the importance of keeping in-person learning as long as possible, especially for kindergarten through fifth grade and middle school, because it's harder for kids to learn. Um, when they're not in the classroom. And what we've seen so far is there's been very little spread because of in-school learning activities. The COVID cases that we've seen have been from, you know, kids being exposed outside of school to people with COVID, or as we just saw today, high school teenagers in Avon having unauthorized activities outside of school that caused, that caused spread, right? So we are trying to make all of the decisions that are in front of us based on uh, public health, and we are thrilled that uh, Marcella Nunez-Smith of Yale has been chosen as one of the president-elect's physicians who, she's an infectious disease uh, and epidemiologist, And she's going to be helping the president to make decisions at at the federal level, which will be a welcome change. President Biden has uh, recently announced Dr. Fauci and other, uh, the head of Mass General is going to be uh, leading the CDC. So he has a very high powered group of people that are going to be helping him with the pandemic across the country. And, you know, here in our state, we're going to continue to collaborate with our local, our regional governors, I should say. I think one of the things that's been very important to the governor and I is knowing what Charlie Baker is doing in Massachusetts, Gina Raimondo in Rhode Island, Governor Cuomo in New York, uh, because we know that what they do affects what we do and, and vice versa.
0: Lieutenant Governor, I know you and the governor have been working to ensure that kids across Connecticut have access to laptops. Uh, that we're the first in the country to be able to provide that to every public school student. Can you talk a little bit about that initiative?
1: Yes, through the generosity of the Dalio Foundation, they made available $44 million worth of uh, laptop computers, So that uh, students and mostly in Alliance districts, Alliance school districts, those neediest uh, places across the state had laptops and had internet hotspots or access because that was a real problem that we found going through the pandemic over the rest of the school year. We found that there were kids who were never logging on because they didn't have internet or they didn't have a laptop. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. So those have been distributed. And we know from our uh, school and education, Commissioner Miguel Cardona, that he's been in touch with every school district in the state. They're taking attendance to make sure and following up with kids who haven't begun their lessons because we just can't have two years where one-third of of the students in our public schools lose out their education.
0: With that, I know broadband access is something that you and the governor have worked very Uh, diligently on and is a a concern for folks. Can you talk a little bit about your efforts on that front?
1: Yes. So we've been in discussions with some of the internet providers, uh, particularly in some of our urban districts, to make sure that families had internet access who weren't able to afford it. And that is really key particularly in some of our more remote areas like eastern and northwestern Connecticut. So that's been something that the governor and I have been working on because that is really, really important.
0: So, Lieutenant Governor, when it comes to bringing in revenue, obviously with small businesses being closed, we're losing out on revenue for the state and for municipalities. One way in which has been discussed by yourself, the governor, and Speaker-elect Ritter is to legalize marijuana, which would not only bring in revenue, but make us more competitive with neighboring states, which, like Massachusetts, which has already legalized it. Can you talk a little bit about what you think on that subject?
1: Yeah, so the governor and I personally are uh, have been in support of legalizing marijuana because we see that states all around us, particularly Massachusetts, have already moved in that direction. And Massachusetts is receiving millions of dollars in revenue from the marijuana products that they are selling. We've had a very successful experience with medical marijuana and making that available in a very controlled way, in a highly regulated way, just as you regulate pharmaceuticals. And so we think that we could... Make that step. What has prevented that from happening is the legislature has not yet had a majority of its members in support of it. And now the face of the legislature it has changed because of the election. So there are 24 out of 36 legislators that are Democrats in the state Senate, where I preside. And also in the House, there are 10 additional Democrats that were elected, so there are 97 of those. And it will be interesting to see if the legislature now can put forward a bill that can garner the support of a majority of of legislators. Several attempts over the past two years were made that had not proved fruitful, but this is an entirely a different legislature with more Democrats who tend to be a little more in favor of that than uh, of marijuana legalization than Republicans. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The governor and I are personally in support because we know people are driving to Massachusetts every day to purchase legal marijuana. And so we want to capture some of that uh, revenue for our state.
0: I know that you've got other engagements. Thank you so much for your time. Is there any other message that you'd like to give to folks who are listening as we kind of wrap up here?
1: I would like to ask people as we approach the Christmas holidays and the holiday season to please keep up the protocols. Please keep wearing your mask. Please keep washing your hands. Please get a flu shot if you haven't already done that because We don't want to overwhelm our hospitals, and we know people have COVID fatigue. We're all tired of it. We all wish it would go away, but we have a vaccine that will be distributed to our most vulnerable people starting mid-December. But please, as you approach the holidays, be very mindful of the risks of COVID. Please keep your holiday celebrations uh, very small so that we all can be safe. And the governor and I uh, really appreciate everybody uh, taking these steps to to keep each other safe. And it's a great honor to represent uh, the people of Connecticut.
0: Lieutenant Governor, thank you again. This has been great. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Win the Future. Thank you for listening to the Win the Future podcast, sponsored by the strategic communications firm, A Better Campaign. Make sure to visit our website at abettercampaign.com backslash win the future. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of Win the Future.